For those of you who are new, we're going through Song of Songs, uh, Old Testament book about uh, love and romance and sex. And last week we were talking about passion and purity, passion within marriage and purity before marriage. And basically that was part one of the sermon. I figured let's do passion and purity again. So this will be passion and purity part two. In order to launch uh, this morning's message, I want to share a book with you called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. It's how speaking the truths of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life. It's a good book. And the everyday stuff of life includes your sexuality. Jeff says that when he was growing up, people would tell him, you need to abstain from sex before marriage because if you don't, sex in marriage will be terrible. But if you abstain and stay pure, then you're going to have the greatest sex ever in marriage. And he pushes back against that. First, he says, that's not necessarily true. He has met with couples during premarital counseling, and he pretty much tells them, don't be surprised that in your married life, the worst sex you ever have is on your wedding night. You don't have to nod, by the way. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable, right? Um, it gets better. It gets better throughout a lifetime of, of marriage. But he goes on to say, besides that, if your motive for staying pure before you get married so that you can have better sex in marriage. That, that is very self-centered and a self-focused motive. Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm going to enter my marriage, and it's all about me. It's all about my pleasure. It's about what I can get. And so this is the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be. But he says, you know, great marriages are self-giving, not self-serving. Great marriages are self-giving, not self-serving. So what's the motive for staying pure before marriage. And he says, and we're going to keep coming back to this over and over again, it's about Jesus. In the Old Testament, God pursued like a husband, like pursuing his wayward bride. And in the New Testament, Jesus, God in the flesh, came down to pursue a people for himself in love by grace. And through his perfect life, died on the cross, buried, and rose again to purify his bride, the church. And if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, turning from your sins, and believing in him, the Bible tells us that you have been made righteous and pure and holy in the sight of God. And so your motive for staying pure is that you want to live out the purity you've already been given in Christ. You want to honor Christ. You want to glorify his faithfulness. That's why you do not want to enter marriage or even the things you're doing before marriage thinking about it's your own benefit and so how you can be selfish. No, no. You want to think, I'm going to glorify Christ before I get married in my purity so I can glorify Christ in my marriage in passion. It all comes back to Christ. We are in Song of Songs, and we're going to keep coming back to Christ. And the reason is, is because the book is in the entire Bible, and the centerpiece is the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when we talk about passion and purity. So let's go ahead and turn Song of Songs. Look at it. Song of Songs. We're in chapter 2. And for those of you just uh, joining us, uh, the content of the song is a growing relationship between a man and a woman who are in love and get married. It's an intimate encounter that includes their desire for one another and even their sexual desire. 
But it's a biblical book, so we set it in the context of the Bible. And this is the same phrase we've been putting up each week. I'll stick it up there again. Song of Songs shows us a romance that celebrates God's gift of love, pleasure, and fidelity, while simultaneously pointing forward to the perfection of love in someone greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ. We've got to keep the big picture in mind. God is depicted in the Old Testament uh, in, in marriage with his people. And in the New Testament, what do we have? We have Christ and his bride, the church. So we want to keep coming back to the ultimate love. As Io was saying, the ultimate love is in Jesus Christ. That's why we're calling this series Longing for Love, Looking to Christ. Longing for Love, Looking to Christ. Well, the focus this morning will be this bride and bridegroom having a strong desire for one another, but are careful not to awaken love before it's time. So the bride and the bridegroom have a strong desire for one another, but they're careful not to awaken love before it's time. So let's start off in chapter 2, in verse 8, as we have the power of the groom's voice. Look at verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle, an antelope. Or a young stag, which is a male deer. She hears her groom's voice and she gets all excited. Here he comes and he's so in love that he's like floating in the air. And more precisely, he's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. You can think of a a track hurdler going over the hurdles to get to the finish line. So this dude is jumping over obstacles and anything that gets in his way. Uh, it doesn't matter if there are mountains or hills. And he's like a, it's like a gazelle. Like, if, what does a gazelle look like? I mean, here's a, a picture of one. He's like getting some air. So, someone told me, someone uh, was so kind of motivated by this, they sent me a, a video of the, the running back, Marshawn Lynch. And he was just crushing people and running over people and jumping over people to get to the touchdown. That's what this guy is doing. He is focused on getting to the woman he loves. That, that's so romantic, right? That's awesome, right? Here we go. Verse 9. Look at the rest of it. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. Now, you see, it almost sounds like he's kind of a creeper, right? Like he's got this, <laughs> he's like a, a peeping Tom, and this, this is, a, no, that's not what's going on here. Remember, this is poetry, and, and the imagery is that God, uh, this guy is standing behind the wall, and he's gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. He wants the wall down, and, and she does as well, but there, but there is wisdom in waiting to be intimate in marriage. So, as we see here, she is still living with her mom and her brothers as the man st- stands behind, if you notice, it says, our wall. But there is coming a day when she will leave uh, her family and be one with him. As it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Sometimes it can be hard for people to leave their families. Sometimes they leave them, and yet they're still influenced by them in a negative way. You, you know, when your parents still want to get in your business and direct your life. But when you get married, there must be this, this gracious 
and healthy break. You can still honor them, respect them, but there must be this gracious and healthy break. So when it, when it comes to this new family unit you have and you need to make financial decisions, uh, decisions about kids and schooling and moving, what, what you don't want to do is defer to your parents over your spouse unless you want to pay a counselor a lot of money. <laughs> right? Where you keep deferring to your parents, deferring to your parents. Once again, when you get married, there's this gracious and healthy break. You, you, can, you can still live by them, around them, uh, even with them if you want to. <laughs> but but there's got, you're a new family unit. You have new priorities. You have new joys. And you have a new focus. And you want to be communicating with one another without bringing your parents back into the relationship. So they start this new family unit. Now, and we keep going. Keep going with the text here, and we're about to get into this song. It's it's a song that we can call it Arise My Love. Arise My Love, part one of the song. Arise My Love, part two of the song. And this has been noted, maybe, you can compare it to others, but it is the most beautiful love poem or love song ever connected to nature. This is beautiful. So let's look at part one, uh, Arise My Love, in verse 10. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. It's beautiful. Uh, The woman says that her man is calling her to come away with him for love. And all the nature language is beautiful. It's a time of love because the springtime is here. Winter is gone, and the flowers are blooming, and the, and the birds are singing. Barren winter is over, and now it's time for spring and love and a hopeful future for them in marriage. <laughs> it's like before they fell in love, life was drab and dreary. But now the world's exploding with love in their hearts. It's blooming, it's ripening, and there's fragrance and smells everywhere. And this is happening in the countryside. It's it's like a movie or something. It's amazing. Now, if you're waiting to duplicate this in Chicago, for those of you who are new, let me let you know. Spring never comes to Chicago, all right? You'll be waiting for the rest of your life. Never going to come to Chicago, all right? And 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 chances are you're not going to fall in love with the smells of the countryside either. Uh, The context of your love may uh, be in a coffee house with the smell and fragrance of coffee. Or you may uh, fall in love uh, at at the campus library with the smell of old books. And believe it or not, people's love has grown even here in the music hall with the smell of instruments. I mean... The context may be different, but people still fall in love. Now, here's the part two of the song, part two of Arise My Love. I'm just waiting for someone to to write some some lyrics and music to this. Arise My Love, part two. Look at verse 13. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, and the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. 
Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. She's like a dove hiding in the clefts of the rock and the crannies of the cliff. It's like he can't get to her because it's not time for marriage and sexual union. She's sweet and gentle and pure like a beautiful dove that he can't quite have just yet. He wants to see her face because it's just so lovely, and he wants to hear her voice because it's just so sweet. And, and do not think in, in this moment when you read this that he's pressuring her into sex, but it's, it's poetic language to express his desire that can't be fulfilled yet. Now, we always have to stop a little bit because we, we can get so caught up in the book and, and just forget and think, okay, where's God in all this? So let's bring God back in, into the picture. We want to keep him front and center. The book is set in the bigger story of the Bible. God created love. God blesses us with qualities to be cherished and a desire for them to be cherished in relationship with others. And God delights in monogamous uh, marital intimacy between a man and a woman. And God blesses us by designing appropriate seasons and boundaries for human relationships. God gives beauty. God gives desire. God gives intimacy. And God appoints a time for love. But in this fallen world, there's always going to be problems. And we need to talk about just a few of them right now. And we're going to call these problems little foxes. Look at verse 15, at the foxes. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. Now, we're not quite sure who's speaking here. Perhaps it's still the man, but it might just be the woman. Either way, it's springtime and the vineyards are in blossom, meaning that it's time for love and sexual intimacy. But these little foxes can be annoying. These little creatures are eating the grapes, and they can, they can dig up and under spoiling uh, the vineyards. They're, they're annoying pest. And, and just as foxes can spoil the vineyards, so they can spoil a relationship. And these little foxes, if they're not dealt with in a dating or engaged relationship, these little foxes will turn into big bad wolf problems later in marriage. If you don't deal with little foxes, big bad wolf is coming to your house. And that's why you want to deal with them. And one of the little fox issue uh, could, could, could be a, a number of things. But before we get to those, I want you to keep in mind, notice that they say in verse 15, it says, catch the foxes for us. Catch the foxes for us. It's like a call to the community. Help us with our relationship. And that's what you want. You want your relationship to grow in the context of community. For us, it would be the context of the church. You want the other people to help you. And so if you're dating and, and even engaged, the church can help you with purity and your relationship. One of the things I've noticed uh, over and over again, especially when I interact with people who are living together before they're married, I'll ask them, and they get all uncomfortable around me. <laughs> I said, uh, hey, where are you guys living? Oh, you have the same address, don't you? Yes. Yeah. You're living together, yes. But we're living together because, here we go. You know, he just graduated. There's nowhere to live. I can't get a lease. I'm about to move to this place. So we just thought, hey, it's convenient to live together. Now we're, now we're not really sexually, you know, 
what do you say? You're not really sexually involved? What does that mean, right? And so, so they're, they're trying to be married, but they're not married, living together, and plus the optics are terrible for others because the Bible says there must not be a hint of sexual morality. But get this. If we are a church that's going to say, hey, don't live together before you're married, and they're talking about leases and no place to live, it falls upon us to make provision. Back in the day, my wife and I would have people live with us instead of live together before they got married. Now I have like 100 kids living with me, so it, <laughs> it falls on you to open your home so that people can be pure before marriage. The community's, the help, the community's helping you, whether you're married or single or engaged, we want to help you with purity. But we also know there are other little foxes issues that can come up in a dating and even an engaged relationship. And these little fox issues need to be dealt with. But here's something you need to discern. In your dating engaged relationship, are you dealing with little fox issues? Or are you dealing with big bad wolf issues? Because there are some people when they are dating and engaged, uh, <laughs> if this is you, I'm, I apologize in advance. So I'm sorry. Uh, not sorry. But listen to this. If you are um, dating and you're having some serious problems in your dating, this sometimes will happen. Someone will say to the other, you know what, we're really having a lot of problems. It's, this is not working out. I think it would be better if we just got married. And then once we start having kids, everything's going to get better. Oh, so you're having some problems hanging out a few hours during the week. Can you imagine spending every single day together, morning and night, and then throw some kids? Yeah, that's going to work great. And so if you have friends, and maybe it's you, you're on again, off again, on again, off again. You don't know if they're even together this week. Are they, together Are they even together anymore? I'm on again, off again. If that's you, maybe you've got some big bad wolf issues. Maybe it's best that you need to be done. I know some of you don't want to hear that. I'm telling you. Be miserable now and break it off now because the misery in marriage is brutal. Split now for marriage. But most of you don't have these big bag fox issues. You have some of uh, these little fox issues. And so here we go. If you're in a dating, engaged relationship, you need to talk about those things now. You need to have some hard conversations now because if you're not having hard conversations while you are engaged... You'll come into marriage, and you will still won't be having hard conversations. And if you go to a marriage counselor, a lot of the marriage counseling that is out there is because couples are refusing to have hard conversations. This community is here to help you. This community, get, get this, sitting right next to you, we have little fox slayers. We do. In this community, we have people who are available to mentor you. Mentor you in pre-engagement mentoring. That may sound awkward, but some of you are dating and you're thinking about marriage. Hey, hey, get some mentoring before you even get engaged. We have premarital mentoring. And we have marital mentoring because not only are these men and women here uh, little fox Slayers, but we have some people here who are really good at slaying the big bad wolf in your marriage. 
And all that contact information is in the bulletin, but we have couples who want to meet with you and encourage you in your relationship. But it gets even better. We also have groups for women called FBOW, which means for better or worse. They're groups where married and engaged women get, get together, and the married women talk about how bad their husbands are. <laughs> no, that's not the point, right? That's not the point. But for years, we've had these groups for women, and, and the guys would be leaving you hanging, and we've never had anything for you guys until now. I, I appreciate Antonio and John Luca taking the initiative. We're going to have groups starting this month. Uh, called 525. You're like, what does that mean? Ephesians 525. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And we're going to have men, engaged and married men, get together to encourage one another in their marriages and marriages to be. So, hey, this congregation is here to help you, to grow with you, and to see your relationship flourish. All right, back to the text. Let's keep going. Verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. Look at that again. My beloved is mine, and I am his. When you get married, you belong to your spouse, and your spouse belongs to you. She says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. A New Testament verse that echoes this sentiment comes from 1 Corinthians 7.4. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. It's, it's a gracious authority in marriage that extends to the sexual union and serving one another. And when you get married, you join together not just your bodies, but your very lives. Now, here's the deal. This, this may bother some of you, okay? This may really bother you because you, like me, like all of us, we value independence and you don't want to be connected to someone else in such a dependent way. So here's what we have. We have uh, single people sometimes dream about getting married and, and being connected to another person. And we have, and this is so funny, we have married people missing their independence. Grass is always greener. One guy put it like this for, for marriage, and this is something that's very important to hear out. This is a tension that every one of us feels. We like dependency, uh, yet we can't uh, do uh, without it. We, you know, we don't like dependency. We can't do without it. We want to maintain independence, yet the loneliness of independence drives us to the desire for intimacy. Any actual relationship will have to be a compromise. So get this. There has to be both. Did you know in your marriage relationship you can suffocate your, your, your spouse with an overwhelming desire for unhealthy intimacy where you're leaning on each other for psychological and emotional crutches. So there can be this so overwhelming. It's like, give me some space. But then there are some relationships in marriage where you can go your own separate way where you barely have a meeting of minds, let alone bodies. And you can think about your own marriage. Is it, is it tending toward that unhealthy dependence where it's just, it's just kind of, you know something's not right? Or is it you're just so far apart living independently, you're not connecting? Well, it's got to be both, right? It's got to be a healthy uh, de- dependence and healthy independence because she says, my beloved is mine and I am his, but not yet. And then we have verse 17. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. 
Remember, this is a song and poetry. Once again, he's not pressuring her into premarital sex. But the poetry shows that he's ready and she's certainly ready as their vineyards are in blossom, but they must still wait. So he needs to be like a gazelle or a young stag. And he needs to, he needs to just flee away, get, get going. It's like he came and he, needs, he came like a gazelle and he needs to leave like a gazelle. And it's not like she's being rude and saying, no way. She's like saying, hey, it's not yet. It's delayed gratification. And if you're in, engaged or dating, heading toward married, um, the point is not to focus on all your rules and your boundaries and your regulations, which you better have. You know, don't be alone together late at night or don't ever lay down. These are no-brainers. Don't ever lay down together. Don't go on tropical vacations together. You know, it's your basic stuff. But, but it's not to focus on all that. The point is not don't, don't, don't. But, hey, the joy is soon going to come in marriage. So it's, it's, it's gratification delayed, but not forever. So the bride and groom have a strong desire for one another, but are careful not to awaken love before it's time. So some of you may be wondering, okay, what am I supposed to do while I wait? You're like, I'm ready to get married. There's no one around here. What am I supposed to do when you have the desires? There's no one around. You don't see who you, you're going to marry. One. And you, what do you do when you wait? I'm going to share something with you that I think is for everyone. It's what I read this, this week, and I think this is very helpful. It's a very quick little sentence. It says, Keep your room clean wherever you are until God opens a door to another room. (laughs) It's it's basic. Keep your room clean wherever you are until God opens a door to another room. It's very simple. That could be applied to your education or your career. You're ready to move on. Hey, no, no, you still got stuff to take care of. It could be applied to your relationships. You're ready to move on. And definitely, wherever you're at, you can grow spiritually. I know there's some of you, you're ready for God to just bust that door open. You're ready to move on with your life. You're ready to move on to the next phase. For some of you, you're, you're waiting to get married, and you're like, open the door, God. Open the door. But keep your room clean wherever you are. And for those of you who are single, you may be saying, it's, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Why won't God open the door? Hey, God's not withholding love from you. Christ is not withholding joy from you. He loves you. Think about the pursuit of God on your life. Think about how he has invaded your life. Think about what he went to to draw you to himself. He died in your place to bring you into a love relationship with you. He's not holding out. He loves you, desires you, and he wants you to be with him right now, whatever phase of life you're in. So you find yourself waiting, God, open the door. It's like, no, no, right here, right now, there's joy and love in Jesus Christ. God is not holding out. Keep your room clean, wherever you are, until God opens the door to another room. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you that you have reminded us through your word. Thank you that you've reminded us through I.O. this morning that you love us and your love is the focus. It must always be the focus. And I know that there are marriages here that are wounded and a lot of pain inflicted upon them by their spouse. Let them know that you love them. And not only let them know that you love them, let them know there's hope for change. It may seem like impossible, but there's hope for change inside them and in their spouse. And help them to be so bold as to reach out. And for those in here who think that, that Christ is withholding joy or love, let them know that no matter what, no matter what they're going through, no matter what phase, that you love them. You died for them. You are there for them. You want to hear from them today. Lord, may we be a people that are consumed with Jesus in all of our relationships, especially when they get hard. May we believe that we have Christ, and in him we have everything we need. Amen.